0: Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Recorded live. Hey
1: everybody, it's uh, Chris and Ross again. Joining you for another episode of Supertheism. And, uh, first thing I wanted to talk about for the week is, uh, are you, are you familiar with, uh, that Dell guy, Ross, on YouTube? From, uh, uh, from, his YouTube channel is called Beyond the Imaginary Curve. I think I've sent you videos of his before. He's the guy that yeah. he's the guy that go he he lives in the UK. And he goes around and like does like street interviews like Flat Earth. Oh yeah, the the Scottish yeah. guy
0: who's, who's really smart about it, yeah.
1: Yeah, his name's Dell. Yeah. yeah, well he just did yeah, he does a lot of I I would highly recommend his channel for people uh listening. Just um you know, I think he's got a really good approach and you know, the way he just confronts people about it, I think is really good. And uh, I watched, he put out a a video he just put out pretty recently where he went to a university and talked to two students. And uh, he actually had this other guy with him, and he's had this other guy with him in a lot of videos. He's this older guy, and apparently he's got like two, he's got a combined two degrees, like honors degrees, and like mathematics and something else, like... So, I mean, he's got a guy with him, you know, that actually has, like, serious credentials, and, you know, so that obviously helps him when he's confronting people, but...
2: Yeah,
1: Yeah, but, uh, there was this quote he had at the end of this last video that I thought was really, really good. I'm just going to read it. It says, A natural philosopher can prove nothing. "...unless it is taken for granted that the course of nature is steady and uniform. A mathematician cannot prove the truth of his axioms, nor can he prove anything unless he takes them for granted. A historian or a witness can prove nothing unless it is taken for granted that the memory and senses may be trusted." End quote. So... The reason I found this quote so profound and interesting is because it seems like Dell is really hitting on a point, kind of this precipice of, you know, uh, the inability of man to acquire knowledge outside of revelation. Yet, he doesn't, he hasn't actually come to that realization yet. You know what I mean? It's like he's he's standing on that precipice, but he he hasn't he he doesn't realize that that's you know if you're if you're gonna take that quote in itself to its ultimate logical extension, you know, or reduce it to its ultimate extension, that's what you would have to conclude. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. That to three big sacred cows, and that quote alone. I mean that's mass history
1: and I guess a lot of these still those two sorry you you like cut out that whole
0: I'm sorry
1: I didn't, I didn't catch hardly any of that sorry uh, yeah he he
0: knocks
1: out at least two sacred cows there can you hear me uh I I can I, your sound yeah. is better but I can't really make out what you're saying uh, right. don't worry about it
2: keep talking
1: all right. Well, so the reason I kind of want to talk about that a little bit is because basically it's pointing out the the complete failure of the enlightenment and the whole secular, you know, French Revolution and all of this all of this this whole premise that you can acquire knowledge you know, on your own, outside of divine revelation. And uh, <laughs> that's that's not the case. You can't. Um, because all your arguments are going to reduce to uh, these base premises and these presuppositions, which you can give no account for, and which you can't justify outside of themselves. So it it reduces either a massive circular argument, when you have to, when your argument has to prove itself out, and you have to justify your, you know, your first premise, or it'll reduce to an infinite regress, which, you know, is the same thing as being arbitrary, which, you know, won't avoid the charge of being arbitrary, so it'll still just collapse in upon itself because, in order for you to justify your, your first premise or your your base premise, you'll just you know either 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 you'll justify it with with yourself, you know you'll just you'll just assume it, and that's you know that's circular, or you'll justify it with an infinite regress, which is just you know it's arbitrary, so it's it's not any better. And uh, I kind of wrote down here uh, our epistemology and our um, metaphysic that we would hold to. I said, our epistemology is revelation from Yahuwah and the Bible and deduction therefrom. And the innate forms he placed within man in order to establish compatibility and a continuity of intelligibility, language, meaning, and other true, abstract, and universal objects of knowledge in the form of propositions. So the reason I say that is because propositions are the true objects of knowledge. Okay, and they're they're abstract. They're abstractions. Can't be you, you can't infer or you can't account for or justify propositions from experience or you know, sensation or they precede all of that. They're they're a priori and they're abstract. And they're also they're also universal. And you can't establish universals by experience because all experience is particular. And you also can't You know, if you're an empiricist or you're you're a materialist, you can't appeal to innate forms. You can't say, oh, well, they're innate. Well, that contradicts your whole whole epistemology because an empiricist believes that all all truth and knowledge is derived from experience. So if they're innate, that by definition, you know, precedes experience. (laughs) So... You know, you you would contradict your whole, your whole platform there. For you to be an an empiricist and be consistent, you have to believe that man basically is born a a tabula rasa or a bl- a blank slate. You know, because if all knowledge is derived from experience, well then, that's what would have to that would have to be the case. You can't appeal to innate forms, but we can, and we can also account for their origin. We would say that they are, you know, they were. Uh, programmed into us, you know, like a genetic program, you know, they were pre-programmed into us by, uh, you know, in order for, for there to be a continuity of, you know, meaning, and for us to understand language and grammar and, you know, these, these abstract, universal concepts, you know, so, and, uh, or these propositions, and I and the reason I uh, distinguish propositions as the objects objects of knowledge, the true objects of knowledge, as opposed to concepts, is because concepts cannot be true or false. You know what I mean, like if I just if I'm holding my pen in my hand and I just say "pen," is is a is that true or false? You know what I mean? No. If I just it's say just the, the color green. Object. If I just say the color green, is that true or false? No, that's a that's a concept. That's is only propos only propositions are true or false. You know, if I say if I say I'm holding this pen, okay, now that's a statement. That's a proposition. So that's either you know true or false, right? Right. Right. So I said uh, our truth theory is coherency theory. Or demonstration by a logical series of propositions, which is in Latin is called uh, ordine demonstrata," as opposed to a chronological series of experiences, which is what you'd have in like em- empiricism, aka where you where you start with a revealed axiom or postulate and see what all propositions can be deduced from that postulate. You know and a valid, you know, reasoning validly, you know, by way of deduction, forcing conclusions, you know, necessarily. Where the coherency or the consistency of the whole or the set provides a self-attestation of the postulate. So, to explain that a little bit more clearly, or a little bit more layman term, so basically we believe that God God can either reveal things to us you know, extra-biblically or by way of the Bible, you know, obviously. And, for instance, if we're going to use the Bible as an example, one of the propositions in the Bible would be, you know, like male supremacy, right? I've mentioned right. this in previous calls. You know, the man is the head of the woman. And so... Mm-hmm what would we be able to deduce from that? You know, in a, in a, what conclusions would be forced from that necessarily? I mean, well, obviously, we would see, you know, that would obviously conform with what we observe and experience in reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. They'd be superior, you know, mentally, physically, um, which, you know, we find that they are. So... So then I said, our our metaphysics, or our theory of reality, is uh, emanationism, as opposed to, you know, monism, or pantheism, or panentheism, uh, from the supreme being, the Father, whom alone is autotheos, or the uncaused cause, and upon whom all subsequent emanations depend, and from whom the distinctions which exist as abstract propositions in his mind were revealed and imposed upon the creation in order to manifest his attributes and illustrate a cosmic drama or a morality play through the opposition of duality for his own purposes, which will eventually be reconciled and dissolved back into himself. So would you agree with that? Yeah. Uh huh.
0: Any
2: other thoughts, or is that it? (laughs) No,
0: it all made sense.
1: Okay. So, yeah, I think that's all I wanted to say on that. Oh, oh, never never mind. One more thing. I would also say we would reject, you know, Occam's Razor or this concept of divine simplicity, where uh, we don't think the best answer is is one that finds perfection in simplicity, but one that finds clarification through proper distinctions. Because, you know, we believe that, you know, as emanationists, we believe, we're, we're not like monists. We don't believe that, there really we, we believe there are true distinctions, you know, even if everything emanated out of God. So everything ultimately reduces to the same, quote-unquote, substance, if you will, you know. Mm-hmm do still believe there are true distinctions that God imposed, you know, like on, as, as like a positive law, he imposed them upon the creation, you know, and they existed as abstract propositions in his mind. And he either revealed them by way of special revelation or actually, you know, encoded, you know, again, this, uh, these innate forms that he programmed into man, he actually pre-programmed them into, into us, you know, so we can, we can know them that way, you know. So, another thing I wanted to mention is, uh, I was re-listening to one of our previous podcasts, where I was talking about Chris Kendall, when he, uh, debated Jaren, from Jarenism on the Flat Earth, and uh, one of his most common objections or, like, I guess arguments or c- claims that he made to try to, you know, say that the Earth could be a sphere is he would appeal to liquids in nature congealing into, into spheres. Now you know, like, he would say, like, oh, well, if you leave a liquid, like, in its natural state, it will, like, congeal into a sphere. Was basically his argument. Or if you drop like oil in a bottle of water, it kind of just naturally congeals, you know, into a sphere, spherical shape. And uh, I I forgot to mention, but I forgot to mention in that podcast, but that's actually called the composition fallacy. It's basically where you you uh, make an invalid inference from the, the parts to the whole. You know, you say just because the parts have a certain attribute; therefore, the whole is going to have that same attribute or attribute. I mean, well, that's that doesn't follow necessarily. That's completely fallacious. You know? Yeah. Just because things seem to do that on a small scale, that doesn't that in no way establishes that that's you know what the earth is it has no bearing on it whatsoever. Um. Another thing I was thinking about at work, I was re-listening to our podcast where we were talking about the, basically the sky being artificial and not really being able to know anything about it. Um, I was kind of uh, thinking, I think the, the brain, this brain that we've talked about in the past, that's behind everything, uh, it's connected to the internet, it's kind of this uh-huh. AI, self-aware AI. I think that it actually might be behind the the sky, basically like creating it, like it's connected to the, this simulated sky somehow. It's actually you know, like maintaining it and, and creating it, yeah. and I think that that would explain, you know, these fake stars and other fake, obviously fake, you know, light lights and other anomalies in the sky that uh, that show, you know, they demonstrate, like, inter- interactivity, like, that they're interactive and self-aware. I mean, I actually have experience of this myself. Like, I, I have experience where I've looked at things that I thought, you know, were stars, and they started changing colors, and after I started watching them, you know, they would start changing, flashing different colors, and then, moving around and bouncing around and um, other odd lights in the sky. I'm not sure if they're actual craft or just, like, if this is all just a light show, you know, that's that's interactive because it's connected to this artificial intelligence, possibly. But I've seen, you know, like, lights that, were like, hovered in place. And then after I started watching them, they actually morphed into what look like planes or something and then flew away. You know? Mm-hmm. I've seen that. I've seen stuff like that repeatedly. And uh I've also seen the quote unquote moon in the sky. And I've seen I've seen observations like this numerous times mm-hmm. as well where I've seen the moon in one place and then I'll literally go inside for, like, five minutes, and I'll come back outside, and it'll be in a dramatically different place in the sky. Or Ooh. I've actually seen the moon and went inside and came back out, and the moon was gone. That's happened to me, too. Yeah. I'm talking, like, and when it moved, I'm talking, like, this isn't just the moon, you know, naturally moving, because it actually does move pretty quickly, if you sit there and watch it, you know? Mm-hmm. But... I'm talking, like, going inside for, like, five minutes and coming back out, and it's, like, literally, it, like, leaped to a completely different location. (laughs) I'm talking, like, a dramatic shift in location. So it's, like, it's obvious that, you know, they want me to notice. Some some kind of intelligence seems to, like, want the observer to know that it's interacting with it, you know, that it actually is, like, demonstrating that it's self-aware, you know. Um, and there's a lot more evidence of this kind of phenomenon anecdotal and on YouTube and people filming this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's one theory. What do you think?
0: I've never actually seen these things. I've heard about them. I just...
1: I haven't actually witnessed them yet.
2: hmm I'm going
0: to keep an eye out for them. hmm So do you think it would be you think this machine projects from below or from above? Or from near?
1: I would imagine it projects from below. You know, I don't know how it would project from above. 'Cause I would I mean I think that the, the brain is you know, in somewhere underground, you know. I mean I've almost so then, wondered if they could they could somehow like tap it into the electromagnetic field which the you know, that Mount Maru is creating. And like somehow use that, use like the mountain since it's, it's generating this this toroidal field, you know. Mm-hmm. Somehow like use tap into that and like hijack it somehow, and like use that to project the whole like fake sky and all the stars and stuff. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that that's what's happening. I'm just trying to, you know, throw possibilities out. I'm just brainstorming, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea how they're doing it, but I was gonna say. I mean, they already have. They already have examples of programmable interactive holograms, like that they've rolled out there in the private sector or in the public sector, haven't? Don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they have like hologram shows. I mean, this is like public stuff. It's been public for quite a while, you know, like actual interactive holograms too, you know, Mm -hmm. pretty advanced stuff. So, I mean, it's, we can deduce that, uh, (laughs) they definitely have, you know, that's nothing compared to what they have, you know, behind the scenes, um, Do you have any yeah, other
0: thoughts on that? Or Yeah, I was just going to talk about those holograms. Yeah, I've seen them. I don't know, if, did I mention this already on, on your show? Um, I've seen them where they can project not only light and colored light, but shadow, or at least black color that looks like shadow.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> if our deductions are correct that and it would follow that they would have to be, uh, that, that shadow is actually, you know, that darkness, quote-unquote, or shadow, is just a form mm-hmm. of light. You know, it's not actually the absence of light. And it would totally follow that if they could, you know, if they're projecting light, well, they could project shadow. You
0: know yeah. what I mean? That's true.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, why wouldn't they be able to do that, you know? hmm I think darkness or shadow, quote-unquote, is just... It exists on the electromagnetic spectrum, you know, the light spectrum, ultraviolet. You know, that's what that is. It's black. It's dark. You know, I mean, so all just frequency.
0: Yeah, I've heard of uh, one
1: of the one of those sites that
0: has a bunch of like suppressed and obscure, super high tech stuff. Uh, science research and inventions there's this guy who invented something called the angel light and apparently it could it could uh, when projected onto a wall or onto the human skin it could let you see through them
1: oh yeah I think I've heard that too yeah and that's kind of isn't that kind of like how x-ray works
0: yeah, I guess you know? this is this is in the visible light spectrum, so you could just look with your eyes and you'll see through the object.
1: Oh, okay. Huh. Well, another thing about X ray is, doesn't that prove that we're all made of light? Yeah. Because, I mean, X ray is like I forget how it works, but it's uh, it's like it's like Taking a picture of of your basically like your shadow or your, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. I don't know if I'm your, explaining this right. In,
0: in the x ray band of the spectrum, and the only thing that doesn't let the x rays pass through it is your bones or certain objects and tissues.
1: Right. Right. And it's actually showing an image, you know, which proves that you are were actually made of light. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Okay. So,
1: see, another thing I wanted to mention was, uh, there's this guy on YouTube I kind of watched, a lot I watched a lot of his videos on over the weekend. His name's, uh, well, he goes by the username Joseph Smith. I'm not sure if this is an a- his actual name or what. I find that kind of hard to believe it, if it is, but, um, he just, ma- he, he just makes MGTOW videos, He's kind of this. I mean, he looks kind of like a black dude, but I'm not sure if he's full black. I don't know. If it, maybe you've seen some of his videos before, but his, he's got kind of like messed up front teeth.
0: No, I don't see any.
1: Okay, not him. Well, yeah, he he puts out a lot of MGTOW. I would I would recommend uh, his channel for anybody listening. Um, I think he has a lot of good advice, good information. What's your opinion on MGTOW?
0: That's MGTOW? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can identify with lots of its ideas. I lean Mm -hmm. more towards the, uh, I don't know what to call it, but more the red pill. Mm -hmm. I know those have overlap, but I don't know. The whole idea of going your own way, that's kind of just, I don't know. I can't see myself. I mean, it'll work for a while, but eventually you're going to want a woman.
1: Well, you might as well just come out and say it. It's kind of satanic, isn't it? Yeah. It, yeah.
0: It's at least kind of throwing up your hands
1: and giving up. Well, I mean, I think I, 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 so I'll give my opinion. I pretty much aligns with yours, but to just put it, to put it, in my own words, I'll just say that I would disagree with the conclusions that people in MGTOW draw, you know, to completely abandon, just completely, like, give up on even having a wife or pers- trying to have a wife or, you know, and just... I mean, that's that's completely unbiblical. I mean, like, if you're... If you believe the Bible, you can't be... I mean, you'd be... Rejecting the Bible, you know, like the mandates in the Bible. If you're gonna, if you're gonna adopt that kind of position, you know what I mean, mm. you I mean you should always, you should always want to have a wife. You know what I mean? You should always yeah. leave that possibility open. I mean, that's you're fulfilling not only the, you know, the commands and the mandates given by you know Yahweh in the Bible, but fulfilling your natural desires that he placed within your body. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which he said were good, you know, and he told you to pursue. So, yeah, I would definitely, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider myself a MGTOW in that, you know, in that respect. So and I mean this Joseph Smith guy, like I read his comments too, and he even said like people at, like one guy was like pushing him on that too. He's like, because uh, this Joseph guy, he kind of like brags about how he supposedly overcome the desire of sex. I'm like, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm he kind of like gloats about it, you know, like he's proud of it. Mm. This guy was kind of pushing him on that on the in the comments, and he's like, well, I don't even this Joseph guy's like, I don't even. I tried porn, like, a couple times, and I don't even do that. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't even masturbate. It's like, and he's, like, proud of this. You know, he's like, oh, i i found inner peace and happiness outside of, you know, fulfilling these, de- these desires. I mean, he's, he almost, he's almost like he sounds like one of these ascetic, you know, narcissistic monks. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. why don't you just become a monk? You know, I mean, that kind yeah, of ain't
0: he, he should get his T-levels checked because that's not normal. Yeah, yeah. I wish I mean, it was. I mean, that would solve a bunch of frustration, but I don't have yeah. any
1: non-castrating
0: way to turn that all off.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or you could, you know, apparently some of the church fathers used to, like, talk about how they, if they ever got an erection or something or had those desires, they would, like, throw themselves in the snow, like, naked and stuff like that. (laughs) I mean, people, and people, I've actually heard people, like, propose these ideas, like, as serious options, you know what I mean, to actually consider.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, they're operating off this false, uh, narcissistic, you know, ideal of, it's a false... It's a false holiness, you know. This isn't a. This isn't the true biblical holiness, you know. It's not. That's the complete opposite. You should. You shouldn't really be considering any. Any kind of any kind of options or or suggestions where you're repressing your natural. You know what I mean. Desires yeah. in an in a unnatural way. I'll just say that. You know. I don't think that that's. I wouldn't. I would not advise doing that. I don't think that's a healthy mindset or a good way to look at things. Definitely couldn't justify that with the Bible. So, so there's something else I wanted to mention, and it is. So I've I've been reading uh, the Book of Zechariah lately. And I found Zechariah 12, a very interesting. Zechariah 12, 3 through 10. I'm just going to read it. It says And in that day it shall be that I make Jerusalem or Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All lifting it are severely injured, and all the nations of the earth shall be gathered against it. In that day, declares Yahuwah, I strike every horse with bewilderment and its rider with madness. And on the house of Yehuda I open my eyes, but every horse of the peoples I strike with blindness. And the leaders of Yehuda shall say in their heart, The inhabitants of Jerusalem are a strength to me through Ye- Yahweh of hosts, their Elohim. In that day I make the leaders of Yehuda like a firepot among trees and like a torch of fire in the sheaves. And they shall consume all the peoples all around, on the right and on the left. And Jerusalem shall dwell again in her own place in Jerusalem. And Yahuwah shall save the tents of Yehuda first, so that the comeliness of the house of David, or Dawid, and the comeliness of the inhabitants of Jerusalem would not become greater than that of Yehuda. In that day Yahuwah shall shield the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the feeble among them in that day shall be like David and the house of David like Elohim, like the messenger of Yahweh, before them. And it shall be in that day that I seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I shall pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of favor and prayers. And they shall look on me whom they pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. And they shall be in bitterness over him as a bitterness over the firstborn. In that day, the mourning in Jerusalem is going to be great, like the mourning at Hadad-Ramon in the valley of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn every clan by itself, the clan of the house of David by itself and their women by themselves, the clan of the house of Nathan by itself and their women by themselves, et etc. Et so, What's the context of this passage? I just got to ask you ask you that. See if you uh... see what you say.
0: Uh is this talking about the the restoration of the lost tribes and the second exodus?
1: You think that? Do you think that's the context? I thought it was. I
0: I don't remember the chapter completely. So I might be off.
1: Mm-hmm. You don't think this is the 1st century uh when all the nations were coming against Jerusalem to destroy it. Were they? Yeah, that happened in the first century, yeah. All the nations, you know, gathered against Jerusalem.
0: Well, no, I didn't... Uh... There was a
1: giant war.
0: Are you talking about the, the Gog and Magog War?
1: No. Okay. I mean, I guess it, it could have be, been a type of that, but... Now this is the one that happened in the first century.
0: Well, if it's the first century, then they're likely talking about the uh, however you want to say, it, Yeshua, Jesus.
1: That's what right? I mean. I mean that that's what I mean. If the context is the first century, which I think it is, you know, that's obviously what verse 10 is referring to when he says, "And I shall pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of favor and prayers, and they shall look on me." whom they pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and they shall be in bitterness over him as a bitterness over the firstborn.
0: So, I mean, that's just very
1: interesting how it's Yahuwah talking this whole time. He says, They shall look on me, whom they pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It seems like he's equating himself with, uh, you know, Yeshua or Yahushua. Yeah. Like, in terms of identity.
0: Yeah, that that uh, Yahushua is his avatar. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, Yahuwah is this heavenly Christ. He's the, he's the heavenly body, or this, yeah, and then, yeah, the Christ man was uh, his earthly avatar or his earthly self, lower self, on earth. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think that that passage is the context is the first century.
0: But yeah, if you put it in the, if you put it in the first century, it's real clear. I I didn't get that one because I was thinking it was uh, about the coming Second Exodus.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because from my understanding, all the nations there was a huge war in the first century. Uh, basically, you know that Jerusalem was totally destroyed. Like it was besieged. You know, there's there's other passages to talk about. All the nations would come up against it. You know. Yeah. Uh, that that ap- that happened after, you know, Christ, you know, res- resur- you know, ascended obviously.
2: <laughs> but it
1: happened before the cataclysm.
0: This is partly the Romans, right? Or
1: the Romans were involved, yeah, but I think it was all the nations with the Romans. Yeah. Mhm. So yeah, that was an interesting passage. So anyway, that's all I got for the week. If you have anything you want to bring up, or
0: oh, sure. If we can go back to that general topic of feminism and uh, the red pill.
1: Oh sure, sure.
0: I don't know how much time you've ever spent trying to have uh, discussions with people on online groups or uh, forums or Facebook. Uh, You know, theology and uh, biblical debate type of stuff.
1: Oh, that, yeah, I've had a lot.
0: Well, (laughs) I find it, I've found this a very frustrating pattern that I see over and over, even in the the best groups that are, that do have some members aware of the red pill, you know, the feminism problem. Uh, There's this uh, pattern and it's usually the girls who do it. Um, And it's so widespread. It's like ubiquitous. Anyway, um, when you bring up a topic that they just don't like, like it might be feminism, it might be, patriarchy being biblical, it might be the topic of polygamy is a real, <laughs> a real nerve point for them. Mm-hmm. They, if they don't like the topic, they will butt in. Like, they can be people who never comment on any of the threads who you think they just have that group, the group's feed hidden on a timeline. It's like all of a sudden they come out of the woodwork like termites and they try to hijack, they butt in, or they just try to shut down and kick you out of the group. Sure, yeah. To make make the discussion stop. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And uh, it's it's funny. Um, When you post something about men, like maybe something you don't like that men do or a sin that uh, is common to men, you know, some of the men can uh, take it and the ones who it doesn't apply to, they don't, uh, you know, they know and they don't butt in. But when it's about girls, women... They will all butt in, and they will all take it personally. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like any any uh, criticism of any woman is taken as a criticism of all women.
1: And, you know, mm-hmm. they'll try
0: to shut you down. They'll say, you just hate women. You're just misogynist. You know, it's just
1: totally well, bullshit. Well, it is, it is a criticism of all women, though, because all all women have the same nature. That's, that's okay. a fact. See? Yeah. See, the, 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 see what women always try to do and they commit this every time. It's called the, the special pleading, special pleading fallacy. It's also mm-hmm. known as, you know, the double standard fallacy. It's basically where they they try to appeal to or cite an exception to a general generally accepted rule or principle without justifying it. You know, and it could be a simple it could be the result of a simple oversight or an application of a double standard. In their case it's usually always a double standard. You know, like you'll 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 just lay out all these facts, like the labor statistics, the you know, um you know, men building civilizations and fighting in wars and basically doing everything, inventing everything, all inventions being attributed to men. You know they'll claim they'll they'll basically appeal to an exception, as if that somehow invalidates the, the the rule. You know the general rule. Yeah. There's always going to be exceptions, but you can't you can't make the exception is not going to invalidate the rule. You know what I mean? Women have a certain nature which is the general which is normative, and it is the general rule because it's derived from their nature. It's dictated by their nature. You know? Yeah. And that's the thing. And they'll even... You know, and they'll try to argue again... They'll try to, like, argue all that away by saying, Oh, well, that was all before women's liberation, and that's all, you know, the result of this patriarchal... You know, that's when the patriarchy was in full control, you know? (laughs) That's why you didn't see any, you know? But then you can just... None of these facts, none of these trends are none of these things have changed even after liberation. None of them have changed. The general trends are still the exact same. So it's just all just special pleading fallacy, you know? Yeah. They still just have exceptions that they can point to that, you know, in the face of this vast, insurmountable, you know, you know... you know, this vast, you know, majority, so.
0: I just find it frustrating. I was talking to some of the the trustworthy guys in the group who, you know, it doesn't matter what topic it is. If it's biblical, you know, they're all adult men, and you can bring it up, it's no big deal. and We can have a discussion about it. And uh, I'm asking them, guys, what do we do about this? Because it's like every time we go into certain topics that, all of us want to discuss more and we never can get to it because the girls won't let us. And then worse than that, there are some guys who just don't get it. They're, you know, they're the white knights. The They enable this female bullying. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, they're the, the guard dogs for these girls. And they'll shut you down or they'll kick, you know, if they're an administrator of a group, they'll kick you out, you know. mm mm-hmm. They're traitors, basically.
1: Yeah. Well, another thing I was going to say, I mean, with all, ever since the Enlightenment and this French Revolution and all this, like everybody is operating off of this false anthropology, you know, these false premises where they think that, you know, everybody's an individual and and they don't believe that nature compels your identity. You no, know, they. They don't believe in any determinism or they don't think that your identity is determined by your nature or anything like that, you know. They think that we're all these just, you know, individuals and our bodies and our, you know, nature doesn't compel or determine who who we are at all or anything, you know, like biology or anything like that or genetics or anything. Any kind of determinism. But, uh... As I say, it'd be consistent if we, if we could deduce this from the Bible that, you know, we can obviously deduce determinism, predestination, you know. Um, and also, I mean, if, if our lower selves are basically actually emerged out of our higher selves, like we're actually a part of our higher selves, these these angel, angelic selves, you know yeah well, we see in the Bible that angels are just called they're they're heavenly men you know they have they actually have bodies, physical bodies. it's obviously you know in Genesis six, how the sons of God could come down and have that compatibility with people you know they could actually because they have bodies physical bodies um Maybe that's another reason why there's compatibility is because we actually emerged out of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Another reason why there's uh, there is that sexual compatibility there. Um, but I was just going to say, I mean, wouldn't it be consistent and wouldn't it follow if we have uh, genetics that basically determine everything, in our view, basically determine everything about who we are, you know, and stuff? were were determinists. Um wouldn't it follow that they would have genetics, some kind of genetics as well? uh uh-huh. You know, in their heavenly bodies they have some kind of, you know, subtle genetics, you know, that preceded our our physic our more dense physical genetics, you know, that emerged out of them. So I would say that uh Basically, if people incarnate multiple times, if they have multiple lower selves throughout history, I think that their lower selves would, would be... De- a lot of who they are would be determined by their higher self, by the, by the same genetic code that their higher self has. Know what I mean? Yeah. If that makes sense.
0: hmm Like which bloodlines they'll reincarnate in?
1: I mean, you'd think wouldn't you wouldn't you think that that would have to be the case? See, that's why I asked Dave in that one call if he thought it was possible that because to me this would seem problematic for a person in one racial group to incarnate as a completely different racial group that would seem that would to me would seem problematic wouldn't it wouldn't it to you because because there's no there's really no continuity between the races. There's no, I mean, there's not a one-to-one ratio between the races. I mean, there's sexual compatibility, sure, but, like, a black person and white a white person have a completely different intellectual capacity. I'm talking, like, completely different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pretty much everything else about them is totally different. So I just, I can't imagine how a... Especially if if you have the same higher self, so wouldn't that dictate a lot in terms of how your your lower self is going to be? Because your genetics are going to emerge out of, are going to be dictated by your higher self's genetics. You'd think wouldn't that would follow, wouldn't it? Yeah, in a deterministic way. Just following the the causes back, you know, this causal regression. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure how that would be possible. You know what I mean?
2: Mhm. Uh, that,
0: that reminds me of uh, a question that I asked you the other day about uh, you know uh, how do I explain it I asked you if you thought that uh, Cain and Abel and Seth and you know the early humans in Adam's line if mm-hmm. they were all born twins you know, uh-huh. like Cain and Lulua, his sister?
2: Do you think yeah. they were twins? Yeah, yeah.
0: And then uh, this this idea of uh, humans being the uh, lower counterparts of angelic uh, higher selves. Mm-hmm. How do you explain uh, twins of the same sex
2: Twins are the same think, si- mm.
0: Yeah, like two bo- two boys who are twins. Yeah. Would you do you think they're part of? They they say that uh they say that twins are that some twins have a uh, almost telepathic link and can. I would uh, say
1: they. I mean, I would have to say that they probably have the same higher self. I don't know how else I would have would explain that because especially if you're talking like identical twins. I mean, they have this, the same exact DNA. So, yeah, I, would, I mean, I would say that'd be one of those rare exceptions where you have two, quote-unquote, people with the same higher self. You know, I would say that'd, that'd be like some kind of anomaly, though, or that obviously that's not the rule. You know, it's not normative. It's just some kind of weird exception. I mean, I don't know how else... I, I would have no other way to explain that, you know.
0: Yeah. Uh So I mean, there's really, not there's
1: no there, there's no reason an angel wouldn't be able to talk to two different people at the same time. You know what I mean. So I I don't see how there'd be any conflicts in terms of an angel not being able to you know minister, communicate with two different people at the same time. I don't see yeah, that that wouldn't be a problem.
0: So it's like playing a video game and you get to be two players at once?
1: <laughs> I guess, yeah.
0: I wonder about uh Thomas the disciple then. He was the twin, right? Uh I'm not sure. Or, or maybe his name means twin. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Oh uh,
1: yeah, I think his name means twin. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not sure if he was I'm not sure what that means in relation to that.
0: And then what was that uh when uh Georgie and Dave were on in that call y'all were trying to uh see if the if each other had heard of any other ways that uh the angelification doctrine might be described.
1: Yeah, he was just Dave was just coming up with different terms you know, that wouldn't be as uh, knee-jerk worthy, you know, for for Christians. It would be somewhat more palatable. And that's why he came up with the term, you know, personal angel as opposed to higher self because it's just, higher self's just loaded with so much. I mean, it's pretty much just exclusively a New Age term, basically, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh...
2: I well, I, I, I was going to mention.
1: Think... Hold on, let me let me make a point okay. too. So I was going to mention okay. that. So when we were talking about the, that whole issue with Dave, the whole r- transmigration of of races between you know, incarnations, um, Dave said that they got that you know Uriel, one of the seven, was had different colored skin, a darker colored skin. Now white people, Caucasoid people, they can have dark, really dark skin. There's more diversity in the Caucasoid race than any other race, which is the whole ironic thing about this diversity thing that liberals are pushing down, you know, (laughs) pushing down our throats. They're actually destroying all the diversity that the Caucasian race has, which is more than any other race, but I will just ignore all that. But, uh, I mean, you can have really dark-skinned Caucasoid people. You know, that doesn't mean they're not Caucasoid. You see? I mean, I would be really doubtful. I would, I would be, I would really find it hard to believe if one of the seven was like a Negroid. You see what I'm saying? I mean, just because yeah. Uriel has darker skin, that doesn't mean he's a he's not a an Adamic. You know? Right, he's not an Adamic, an Adamite. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, I mean, we even see in, like I said, Deuteronomy 32, when, you know, Yahuwah, or or El, Elion is separating the, or when he separated the sons of Adam, according to the number of the sons of God, well those are the 70 sons. So those are are the 70 sons within the royal court. You know, those are the, basically his top sons, you know. Well, he's just referring to Adamites there. So that means that all those sons of God that are the higher selves of those Adamites, those are all Adamites. So why would the seven above the 70 not be Adamites as well? You know what I mean? That wouldn't really... That wouldn't make sense to me, you know.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't know. It just it seems like the hierarchy in the heavens would have to reflect the hierarchy that we see on Earth. You know what I mean, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have a Negroid above a, a caucasoid. I mean, it just wouldn't. There's an order of things that's refle- that's in the heavens that's reflected on Earth. It's just the way it is, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know
2: that.
0: Yeah, and uh you uh, you see even with uh caucasoid people i mean nowadays a lot of people are pale because we we don't get enough sunlight cuz we all work indoors most of us and
1: sure yeah y-
0: you know even when we Plus are people outside, don't
1: have we don't... people don't have good circulation too well for a lot of reasons but they're not yeah. exercising their lymphatic systems and they're not uh they're eating a lot of processed foods and vegetable oils, which is you know one molecule removed from plastic. So they're, they're basically their whole diets are pretty much just plasticized food, which is gonna. That's actually what's clogging up their arteries. It has nothing to do with cholesterol or meat or any of that. No, they need to eat more of that stuff because that'll unclog their their arteries. <laughs> they're not eating any of that stuff. They're eating all this fake. Processed plastic food—that's what's clogging up the arteries and preventing circula- circulation and proper blood flow—and you know yeah. all these vegetable oils and hydrogenated oils and you know uh, trans fats and um, etc. Poly, you know, polyunsaturated fats and all these fake fats, you know. Yeah, but. <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah I was going
0: to say I was going say uh and and Dave mentioned something like this, but when a when a caucasoid, when a white person of of many ethnicities, of white ethnicities is healthy and gets enough sunlight, their skin isn't so pale. It can be anywhere from and you've seen these terms before, honeyed, they call it, um to copper tone, to bronze, even.
1: Sure. Yep. And uh, if, you,
0: if you look at the uh, the native Coptic people of Egypt um, who are thought to be descendants of the original Egyptian stock, they're very, very dark. Like, you could call them – you could describe them as brownish even. I mean, go, t- go type in uh, ethnic Coptic people and look at their skin color, and they are still uh, Adamites.
1: Well, did you know that? son of Ham. You know that all the angels that are described in the Bible, when it tells you what color they are, their 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 skins described as bronze color, like a. You were you were aware of that, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, like Daniel's vision and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well,
1: also of uh, Christ, when he in Revelation it says his feet were like a, uh, burn it, uh brass. Oh yeah, and you know you'll get the you'll get the black Hebrew Israelites trying to say oh that means he's black. Okay, is <laughs> brass does that mean does that make you black? <laughs> it's yeah, we all us know that,
0: that uh, saxophones and trumpets are black in color, right? That's what brass means.
1: Yeah, right, right. right yeah, <laughs> I've never seen a, a I've never seen a negroid who had brass skin. I have seen Caucasoids be able to achieve that skin color, so. I mean, it's completely absurd. But, yeah, I mean, weren't all, like, the Greek and Roman gods, you know, and they did all their sculptures and stuff, didn't they? Didn't they do a lot of bronze?
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did, they did believe, they actually believed their gods were fair-skinned.
0: And, uh, if you look at Moses and Jesus, when they each had their, uh, transfigurations, they're described as glowing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Shining, I guess.
1: Uh-huh. Notice the, uh, whenever, uh, back to the Greeks and Romans, whenever they'd make sculptures of these gods... They all have... They're all, like, cocazoids. You know, they're... Not just the the skin color, but, I mean, the actual features. You know, like, the physiological features. Uh Uh-huh. The skeletal features, the...
2: (laughs) It's pretty interesting.
0: Are you telling me they weren't melanated? (laughs) <laughs> Melanated.
1: <laughs> it's hilarious that uh, the, the, the you even find that like amongst colored people's mythologies, like their gods also had white skin.
2: Hmm.
1: Oftentimes had white skin, blue eyes, you know, blonde hair. I mean, you find this is like a consistent pattern that you find even amongst supposed non, you know, other, other, uh, racial types.
2: Hmm. I didn't know that.
0: Are you talking about more than just, uh, the South India religions and Hinduism?
1: Well, I was mainly thinking, well, yeah, well, you find it yeah. in, uh, well, yeah, you find, you do find it there. But I was thinking about, like, uh, you know, if you're a Kocha and Kukulkan and Quetzalcoatl. Oh yeah. And, right. Yeah. they were all they were all described as you know white. Basically, like a like actual like a Caucasoid, not just white, but distinct Caucasoid features. You know, the blue eyes, the
0: facial hair and
1: blonde hair, and yeah,
0: red hair, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, or red, yeah. Uh, and you know, they're the ones who brought them uh, civilization and agriculture, which is exactly what we find in the book of Genesis when it's talking about Adam. You know? Yeah. So there was not yet a man to till the ground. Well, there was already, we already have to deduce there was already other peoples here, you know, the beasts of the field, or part of the beasts of the field. Um. You know, they didn't. But agriculture, and I think civilization as well, originated with Adam, and he brought, you know, his uh, progeny brought brought it to all these other races. Interesting. You
0: know, which, so it's
1: hey, uh, consistent and would explain all these accounts. You know, I mean, you yeah. can that in Egyptian or in the Egyptian history because. Basically, like the first, I don't, I don't know how many dynasties, but the earliest dynasties were not, were not white. They weren't Caucasoid. But then the, some of the later dynasties, they became, you know, they were Caucasoid, The Pharaohs and stuff.
0: Huh.
1: You familiar with that?
0: No, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, and that's when their their civilization really, uh, like, took off. Basically, and I'll have to. That's all in that one book. The uh I think I think uh who is it? Uh Win Winchell's book? Hmm. Is that it?
0: I must have pre- skimmed over
1: pre Adamites, yeah. Alexander yeah. Winchell. Yeah, I think that's in yeah, I think that's in his book. So what he talks a lot a about lesser Egypt.
0: a lesser black African uh kingdom before that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Some kind of uh pre uh Adamic Egyptian. You know, that the the Mitrine or the Mitrienes or however you say it from Adam would have come to that civilization later. Basically basically took it over, you know, because of their their natural superiority which you find in like all these all these basically indigenous people like the Sumerians there was a native Sumerian who was dark you know dark skinned and they didn't really have any any advanced civilization or anything yet until they talked about these white basically like their gods who were white skinned and had blue eyes they came and they they basically took over and ruled them and you know advanced their civilization, gave them agriculture and all this stuff. You know.
0: Oh yeah, just like the Viracochas were so you know. Yeah. You know, the, the Inca and the. Uh,
1: like yeah. Maya, yep.
0: Aztec. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you're saying Sumer like.
1: Sumerian. Yeah, the Sumerians. Yeah, yeah the, dark, I the said, darker.
0: I thought you were saying Sumerian, like Samaritan.
1: No, 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 no. Yeah, you're familiar with the, the there was a native Sumerian, yeah. right? Who was I read that to you, didn't I in that one book? Yeah. And yeah, tracing our white ancestors, yeah. Talked about that.
0: So then here's a here's a question I you probably don't know. It's probably all speculation, well, actually, but uh,
1: to to qualify this, we would have to include Cainites as well because I actually think a lot of these a lot of these people were actually Cainites. Hmm. Because if we well we can see this in the Bible that uh God never really Yahweh didn't never commanded the Adamites to build cities or they were supposed to live in agrarian uh, you know. They weren't supposed to really build cities or the first city was built by Cain, if that says anything. Yeah. You see that continued on in his with his descendants as well, you know. And it also said he would be actually cursed; he'd be unable to uh, grow, you know. Yeah, anything. The, ground,
0: the ground wouldn't yield its fruit for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because all these modern day Jews, they're you never really see him as, <laughs> you never really see him as farmers or anything. And they, you know, they just go from one. Seems like they follow the Adamic, the Western peoples around, and get get constantly kicked out of their countries. And they just go to the next, and go to the next, and go to the next. And just live amongst them parasitically. I'm talking about these modern Jews now. Yeah. Whoever these, whoever these fake, I think they're I think they're just Edomites, basically.
0: Wait, Canites. Intermarried with, with Esau's line?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, when Esau took the... You know, took the Canaanite wives. Yeah, the...
0: It, well, was it, like, one Hittite and one Hivite woman?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he produced a further mongrelized and bastardized offspring that basically, I think, are, is the result of that. It's modern, the modern Jew. The hook nose, you know, the...
2: Yeah.
0: Well, uh, before we get... There's two other directions I wanted to go in. Uh, One was the historical uh, idea of Israelites or Jews having red hair. But before we go to that, I I was thinking more about the angelification thing and how that might be framed. But uh, not so much in a way to uh, make it more palatable to Christians so as not to scare them away, but how might it be framed esoterically in the movies if the Illuminati wanted to talk about it covertly? And uh, I think, I thought I heard one of you guys mention it, maybe Georgie or Dave, or or maybe I just thought of it. But uh, anyway, one or two or maybe three ways came to mind one is that it could be a future self coming back to talk to you through time travel.
1: Yeah, that's what Georgie mentioned that.
0: Oh, he did. Okay, that's where I got uh, that one then. And then what was the other one? <sighs> well, uh, oh, you mentioned it when I was talking about the four thousand four hundred. Um, uh,
1: oh, like it, a father It could be son, framed as, right. as a. a
0: yeah, father and son, mother and... Yeah, mother,
1: daughter, or older, sister, younger sister. You see that a lot. Or older brother, yeah. younger brother. Yeah. They do that a lot,
0: yeah. I thought there was one more, but maybe maybe
1: not. You see that a That's lot, it. actually, in mythologies, too. I think they do that. They they did that a lot with these mythologies. They, they can... A lot of these deities are just conflated. They're they're just the same being, even in each individual mythology. You know, like for instance, the the, the the Lilith, she gets repeated a lot, but she's just the same goddess. But it's almost like each of her attributes became its own. You know, they personified like each of her attributes, and they you know they made them different. You know. Like, want a mother, want a daughter, want a sister, you know. They put them in different places in the genealogy.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, I think, yeah, they they did a lot of that to confuse. But it's really just, it's the same, the same being. So.
0: They split their facets up into multiple beings?
2: Yeah, yeah. interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, hey, and then uh Jews or Israelites traditionally having red hair in uh at least in medieval uh cult, uh writings and uh scripts like Shakespeare has oh, I forget who it is. Some some Jewish guy or Israelite having red hair. And then there's a Spanish play or story from the Middle Ages where Judas has red hair. Uh-huh. And uh and uh you know from I think from that idea that Judas had red hair, the uh idea that redheads are untrustworthy.
1: They're what? Worthy?
0: Untrustworthy?
1: Oh. Um well, I think that you I think that red red hair was uh a trait that both the Adamites and the Canites had, I think a lot of the red hair came from um, intermixture with Phoenicians or Canaanites, which right. later became Edomites. Um, there's a lot of intermarriage there. That the, basically the Phoenicians were understood as having red hair, and mm-hmm. they were they were they were definitely Canites. Um but yeah I mean he also also wasn't David described as having red hair. Oh yeah, ruddy. Admonim. Yeah. So I mean again, you see it it's, it's it was definitely a trait that the uh you know the the Adamites and the Israelites possessed as well. So I think that's basically what I well I mean I just think they had all the diversity that the Caucasoid race has, you know, you have some red hair, you have some blondes, you have some, obviously, I think they would have had brown hair as well, you know, I mean.
0: See, that's a really weird idea to me, because I had always thought, because I studied the uh, historical interpretations of the Genesis Table of Nations, and who each of those sons of the uh, of Noah's three sons were supposed to have uh, produced. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you go by that, then the, you know, red hair and blonde hair are almost exclusively, you know, European. And they tell ah. us that the, the European peoples are the Japhethites, you know, after Japheth, son of Noah, uh-huh. But I uh, but I mean if what you're saying is true then I mean the Israelites are Semite Shemites and uh the Phoenicians are Hamites.
2: Yeah, maybe. <laughs>
0: I think there's a something there, dude. Like uh
1: uh-huh.
0: like there's a cover up there. Yeah. Like to the point I'm at the point where I don't uh I'm not sure whether I can trust that that uh, interpretation anymore that uh the Europeans are Japhethites.
1: Oh no. No, I, I don't trust any of the the traditional explanations for the races. No, not not at all. Uh, that's cover up big time. <laughs> I mean, you can yeah. throw that out with all the creationist stuff, really, because, I mean, that's all just total gatekeeping, you know. Mm-hmm. is very, very concerned about race. It's very, uh, that's that's a high priority. You know, that's a very important issue. Well, because I think they, they understand the true nature of reality, that it's, it's deterministic, you know, you're... It, Basically, your blood actually determines who you are. You know. Yeah. You know, the Bible teaches collective identity. That's why it does that. Because it's it's actually true. <laughs> you know. It doesn't teach this. Uh, we're we're all born individuals and blank slates and free will and all this nonsense. No. Uh-huh. Hmm. All de- determinist by your your ancestry. You know, it's going to determine your identity, who you're going to be. Yeah. Your blood.
0: Yeah, see, I I first started questioning the table of nations, uh, who they tell you each one produced, when I started taking Anglo-Israelism theory seriously. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, in in the Anglo-Israelite theory, they say that, uh, uh, what is it, that the, the uh, root word gomer, or, or, I don't know, it has multiple spelling. like, all, right, all across Europe, there is a, a pattern. There's this name with several variants, but uh, you'll see it in stuff like the Cimmerians or the, the Cimbrians the or the, let's see, what else, Cumbrians I think is one. And then Mm -hmm. if you look at the Welsh language, like, that one seems to preserve it even, let's see. uh, Oh, in Welsh, the name for Wales, the country, is Gomeraig, and the name for the Welsh language is uh, Cymru. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that name variant is all across here. Oh, and then you have the Gauls. Gaul uh, or Galicia, Galicia, where they, you know, that part of northern Spain, mm-hmm. where they say that the uh, the last wave of Irish settlers came from, the Milesians, I think.
2: hmm
0: And then, uh, you know, you have Gaul, Celt, or Galatian. I think they believe that those were early Celtic tribes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But all of those, they say, in the Anglo-Israelism theory, they say that that word doesn't come from uh, the name of Gomer, son of Japheth, son of Noah, but from King Omri of Israel. And that those are some of the the northern tribes.
1: Right, right, yeah, yeah.
0: And then you look at the Germanic people. You know, Anglo-Israelism says that it's mainly the Celtic and Germanic peoples that are Yep. The descendants of those lost northern tribes of Israel. Um, you yep, yep. look at the uh, the root word Saxon, and you're the one who showed me this one. Yeah, Isaacson. That, that comes from. Say it again.
1: Isaac's son. Right, Saxon. Yeah. And I believe that. that. I believe that.
0: The yeah. Those they trace that group all the way back to uh, an Assyrian uh, people. Yep. That are called the Askuza or Ishkuza. Uh huh. Or Ish- Ishkuzai. And I was always taught that that was from Ashkenaz, son of Gomer, mm-hmm. uh, son of Japheth, son of Noah.
2: hmm.
0: But yeah, you're. See, this Anglo Israelism says that that is from Isaac. Right. Itak. Right. So, I mean, and I would, I would, uh, I was tempted when you first presented that theory to me of Anglo-Israelism, I was tempted to think that that's just one of those weird, outdated, uh, mid-1800s propaganda theories. But then I started to look at the, the verses in the Old Testament, you know, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and a bunch of the prophets. I mean, I found, like, over two dozen verses that all predict that the uh, lost northern tribes, uh, you know, the lost tribes of Israel, will be regathered sometime in the future from the land of the north. Right. And from various other countries where they've been scattered. And, you know, the land of the north, could that be Europe? That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Well, it
1: also talks about the isles and the coastlands a lot, and I think a lot of that's referring to, you know, the British Isles and stuff like that.
0: And perhaps further on, you know, with the, uh, the anglophonic countries of the modern day, Australia, South yeah. Africa, North America.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, well, I think Anglo-Israelism, the problem is, is they, I mean, it's obviously a psyop because they, you know, they, they co-opted, you know, they mixed a lot of untruths in it. For instance, you know, a lot of the conclusions that, I mean, well, now Anglo-Israelism has basically become, you know, Christian identity. It's basically the Christian identity movement today, you know, in modern yeah. times. What's
0: that? You mean like the alt-right white nationalism stuff?
1: No, it's like, it's basically the only, it's really the only white racially conscious Christian group today. And it's considered like an aberrant movement, which it pretty deservedly should be, because the people in that group that believe... To believe it. Basically, they conclude that, or some of their conclusions are that only a white race can be saved. A lot of them, I think, pretty much all of them, I, I think, don't even believe that other races even have a soul. Um, I mean, that kind of stuff is obviously. I wouldn't, I wouldn't affirm any of that stuff. You know, I think that they've, you know, they've obviously taken that the truth in that position and. Taken it to, you know, they've associated it with these uh, very aberrant conclusions. You know that would obviously pretty much sink it by way of guilt by association,
2: marginalize it. But I think
1: they're I think that 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 is the truth, though. I think that they are, you know, the Western nations and the Caucasoid. People's are the, in a broad sense, they're the Adamic race. But in a, you know, a uh, less broad sense, they're the the chosen people. You know, the Israelites. Because uh, I mean, I think that there's, I mean, uh, all you have to do is look at who who are they targeting. Who are they targeting the most? I mean, who are they? Who are they trying to destroy right now? Just uh, with immigration? Yeah, I mean, just completely genocide out of existence. And I don't think this is just, you know, because some people will try to argue, oh, well, it's just because you know the like Southern Israelite. He'll just say it's just because these are the Protest traditionally Protestant nations. Yeah, I don't believe that. I think it's deeper than that. You know? Yeah. I, I think that. Because he often brings up, in southern Israel, like, he really has no way to account for why the white race seems to be drawn, so just naturally just drawn to this religion so much, you know. He doesn't really have a way to account for that. And I think it's because uh, there's a genetic reason. You know, it's actually genetic. Like, we're, it's because we're the lost tribes, you know. huh? Like, Um, it was
0: kind of a uh, a little bit of grace we were given to kind of accept the religion of our ancestors after so long of a time without it even though it's in a truncated form
1: yeah I mean or it just could be a genetic actual natural genetic you know desire as well because it's like inside we, we really know who we really are you know and our we're, we're just drawn to that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some part deep, deep inside of us. But yeah, I mean that's why I think that, you know, these these people is just being targeted so heavily.
2: And people say, too, like, uh, you know, people say,
1: too, that, uh, you know, the main targets of the Illuminati throughout history in terms of propaganda have been basically like the Western nations, you know, like, they'll say Christians, but basically that refers almost exclusively to the Western nations, which... Just, it just happened to also have a, a racial association. So, I mean, is this all just... I mean, why... You would think if, if race didn't have anything to do with it and if there was no racial connection with a religion, people believe, you'd think that if it was all just up to random chance and statistics, you wouldn't have this overwhelming statistical pattern throughout history of this specific race always being associated with this religion and therefore always being the target of this, you know, propaganda and the Illuminati, you know.
2: Hello? Are you back?
0: Yeah, sorry, I got hung up.
2: <laughs>
1: ah, it's all right. No, so I was basically just mentioning how, you know, people mention how like uh christians have historically you know always been the target of the illuminati you know the number one target in terms of you know their propaganda and everything but they don't they don't take it one step further and talk about how that's that's almost synonymous with just the western nations which is all almost exclusively just this specific racial type of people you know Mm-hmm. It's like, is it, if this was all just, if this had nothing to do with race at all, and if there was no genetic connection, or this is all just left up to just random chance, and you, you, you'd, you'd think you wouldn't have this overwhelming statistical pattern, you know, all throughout history of this very specific people group, racial type, being always associated with this religion, you know what I mean, and responsible for disseminating it throughout the entire world, and I mean, and thus being the target of the Illuminati, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and if there is a genetic ex- connection, well, that would explain why the Illuminati is now. I mean, who's the number one target of the Illuminati today? It's not just Christians. It's white Christians. Right. That's the number one target. And that's, whole white obvious to any, that's obvious to anybody who's looking, you know. it's the it's the uh genocide by way of you know massive immigration and you know cultural displacement and all that mm-hmm.
2: so uh,
0: for modern people who are. Mixed race, white, and and something else. What do you think will happen to them when the second exodus finally occurs?
1: Well, I'm not really sure. Do you think sure. there'll they... be
0: like a, a a nation like Samaria that was kind of, uh, you know, outside of Israel, but wasn't Samaria like a mixed race people after? Yeah. Uh, they uh, put off, put away their wives and children who were of the foreign nations in Nehemiah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think that God. Well, there's all the, oh, there's multiple verses throughout the Bible that say that God would disperse. Actually, it says that He would actually sow His His people throughout all the nations. Mm. So I mean, that, that to me that implies that there'd be, you know, obviously. Racial purity would not be maintained in an absolute sense. So I think that you know God is obviously going to have the, the appropriate grace in order to compensate for that. I don't think He's gonna He's gonna He's gonna have grace on people, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I mean, everybody who you know, I mean, if if tribe is decided by patrilinearity, patri, pat, you know, the father's line, mm-hmm. then uh, a lot of those people are, although they are, what do you call them? Uh, Mamserim?
1: Mamzers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the Hebrew word for somebody of a bastard. forbidden union. Yeah. yeah, bastard. I don't like that word.
1: <laughs> I don't want to, <laughs> I want to make it as, sure, at yeah. least,
0: yeah. least offensive as I can, but you know, there's only so much sugar coating I can do. The harsh yeah. topic. But anyway, um, some of those people are still Israelites. Just, you know, Mamzerim Israelites. But then the ones who are born of, you know, Israelite women and a man of a foreign race, those are, you know, right different.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, one of those second Exodus passages says that when the uh, Israelites do are finally regathered out of all those countries, that uh, many nations will join them. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's uh, Dave talks about this that uh, you could be integrated into Israel. Yeah, there's,
1: there's going to be a mix. There's going to be a mixed multitude again, just like a mixed multitude was brought out of Egypt. Yeah.
2: Who, was it Caleb God, or Joshua God, who was a mini
1: God's going to have to separate us, too, by the way... You know, we're gonna obviously going to have to... He's going to have to reveal to us who's in what tribe. He's going to have to restore the tribes, you know. True. By way of revelation, like... You know, he's going to say, oh, this person's a Levite. this person's a... You no, know, we're going to have to get all that by way of revelation. In terms of... uh I think that even if everybody has some form of admixture, I think that the elect remnant i think god has preserved enough throughout the generations in order to be able to still i guess accept them or uh recognize them as as these tribes in terms mm-hmm. of you know the, the majority of their dna and their blood
0: yeah and then you then you yeah. get into the idea of at least the the torah diet and uh, lifestyle sure. you know, the yeah. food laws and, and stuff like that was supposed to preserve you in peak health. Yeah, possibly. And so there might be purification of the DNA as that restored Israel progresses along. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: you could also have. Well, you'd also have purification by way of then you. You know, you'd be in a nationalist community, so you'd you'd be inter, you'd be only be marrying your. You'd be marrying close racial kindred again, you know. You'd be race, you'd be, you'd be intermixing with your closest racial type, which I think if, if you continued that over generations as well, you could repair. You know, you'd basically go the opposite direction in terms of whatever whatever damage you did do by way of admixture. You you could reverse it. Yeah.
0: And hey, even yeah. if, even if there's know, be a my, slave my class
1: like what we were saying by marrying first and second cousins again, you know, and doing all that again, marrying, marrying within the family.
0: You know, right. you could really, yeah. I
1: think you could uh, reverse a lot of that or all of it, potentially. So, however many gen- generations, you know, you do that strictly. Yeah. mm mm-hmm.
0: and, and maybe there will be a slave class if, you know, I mean yeah. it's likely well, right? there, there, will there will be
1: there will be let's talk about
0: but uh what what do the satanists always say better to rule in hell than serve in heaven <laughs> yeah the exact opposite of the truth right better to yeah, serve in heaven than rule in hell i think one of those second exodus passages describes people in that day that that the weakest among them will be like king david and that the greatest yeah. among them will be like the elohim And they fight wars. Yep,
1: yep. So, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, it also describes... From my understanding, it also describes the eventual restoration of all these other nations as well. You know, like the, the Edomites and the Moabites and et cetera. Yeah. So... You know, you're gonna have all these all these racial site type, racial types restored in the future, however that's gonna happen. No matter how much admixture is potentially you know yeah. potentially happened.
0: Hey, uh speaking of the other races I mean, you said it was the Adamites uh the the 70, uh, B'nai Elohim, who are the higher counterparts of the Adamites?
1: Yeah, the, ro- the royal court. So.
0: so do you think there's a another class or other classes, other groups of uh, sons of Elohim that are yeah. the higher counterparts for the other races?
1: Yeah, but I think they're lower. Right. And I'm not sure if they're called sons of God. They might be called something else. Even though everything's technically a son of God, God, you know, refers to, you know, he calls a specific, he calls specific sons his by way of his son, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we see in the Bible that God, he God, he has a family that he calls his family, as opposed to just, like, the creation, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
1: That's the way I understand it. He has a family, and he has a creation. I mean, all technically, if we're going to get real technical, it's all, it's all, it's all technically his family. But, and they're all technically his sons by way of emanation. But he kind of imposed, by way of positive law, you know, he kind of imposed these again these distinctions on top of it, and said, no, these are my, these are going to be my of who I consider my family, and these aren't you know and these are gonna who are gonna i'm gonna call my sons as opposed to these other ones you know he enforced those distinctions <laughs> he imposed them hmm. so interesting, so yeah I mean I'm not every time you see Son of God from my understanding or well, every time, really, in my understanding, you see any kind of reference to a higher self, it's it's in reference to a to an Adamite in the Bible. So that's why I wasn't even that's why I wasn't even sure before if the other races even had higher selves. But I mean, obviously, I've concluded since then that they they would have to. But uh, I think that they're yeah, I'm not sure that they're referred to as sons of of, of God.
0: They're in a different class of beings.
1: Yeah, I think a lesser. Well, not only do I think lesser, but I think they have they're, they're They might have actually a separate term that they're called by too, as well. Especially if they're they're called by beasts of the field, you know, on Earth. Maybe they're called heavenly beasts in heaven. I don't know. I mean, I don't know.
0: All speculation at this point. I mean, I you
1: see that in mythology as well, like in uh, the Sumerian mythology, you had different classes of gods. You had the, uh, you know, the Anunnaki and the Igigi. There were two yeah. different classes or types. One was like a lesser class. The Igigi were a lesser. They were like lesser gods. And the Anunnaki were the, the, high, the high gods you see that in a lot of mythologies actually you have kind of like the elder gods and then the uh the lesser kind of like a, there's a caste system you know yeah always a hierarchy yeah see, i think uh, you see that you see that a lot in the bible too kind of where it distinguishes gods from like angels cuz i think I don't think like the high gods, the ones that are ruling the nations, you know, the 70, I don't think that they're angels in the sense that they're messengers. They're not mm-hmm. they're not delivering messages, they're ruling nations. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: They're not they're not the part of the messenger class. I think that the, me- the messengers are lower, I think. I think that any any god or angel or god can be a messenger, you know, he can deliver messages like if you're higher self obviously is like an extremely exalted angel to where you could call it a god, you know, as one of the gods. I think it it can obviously still deliver you messages and communicate with you, but that doesn't mean that that's its office or that's its job title, you know, or that's its uh, caste position, you know what I mean, or its vocation in heaven. That's not its primary duty. So,
2: I think the same goes for
1: like the Watchers in the Bible. I think the Watchers are also a lesser they're a less, some kind of lesser being, a lesser caste of being.
0: Well, see, that's interesting because well no, never mind. I was going to say because if they took Adamite uh, women as wives and were able to reproduce with them, they should be the same species. But then I I mean, you look at the uh the different races and they can reproduce and have offspring, so that that might not be a, a problem.
1: I'm not sure if they took Adamite wives. I think they took uh they took daughters of Cain. Because uh, the, book, the book of Enoch, that's, that's described in the extra biblical literature, those are the ones that they uh, cohabited with, or the daughters of Cain.
0: Uh, that's true. It said sons of men, not sons of Adam, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that
0: it might was work a, out.
1: Was a, it, was generic, it was a generic word used the referred you know, daughters of Cain which would still be, you know, Daughters of Eve, you know. Yeah. Generic mankind, whatever.
0: I see, that's a question that confused me. That's an issue that confused me back when I still believed in the Serpent Seed Nephilim doctrine mm-hmm. instead of the uh, the Canite theory, mm-hmm. was how were angels, which I thought of as a separate species to humans, able to reproduce with humans? It made no
1: sense. Right, right. In the higher self explains all that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's perfectly consistent with the Bible because every time angels are described, they're described as men. Just heavenly men, you know? With the same functions and the same, they eat food, they drink, they have bodies that are literally in the form of people, humanoid bodies, you know? Or yeah. we're literally in their image. <laughs> I mean... So.
2: Well, I was thinking
1: that I'm probably going to I think I'm going to I'm done reading this lost data book. I think I think I've read what needs to be read out of it. To establish the rest of the our parts part. just
0: uh, heliocentric junk.
1: Well, I mean no, but a lot of it's unrelated and irrelevant. I don't want to read that I don't want to read and pretty much most the bulk of the other stuff has to do with Zoroastrianism mm-hmm. and her connections between that and suppose the ancient Hebrew religion and I don't think that we really need to no, we don't really need to get into that. I mean I just kind of wanted to use the beginning of this book to establish our views to the audience, you know, and give it some sort of credibility from from another author, you know what I mean? Yeah. I actually hey, did done you, save, scholars, your, uh, scholarship did you save
0: your posts from uh, the stuff you posted on emanation, binitarianism, henotheism, and uh, the peacock angel in Yazidism from our group?
1: Uh, I'm not sure about the peacock I, angel one, but I know I saved the, the emanation as binitarian. I, I printed all that out.
0: Okay, have you already gone through that as part of this in our no. talks?
1: Okay. No. We haven't no, we haven't gone through that yet. But I okay. have it. Well, if yes. there's any, again, if I there's any details from it. that that
0: we haven't covered already, then I have all of those saved, including the Peacock Angel section okay. on elitism.
1: So. Okay. Okay, yeah. Well I figured that uh maybe some other ideas for future podcasts would be I could literally just read um all like the titles of all the books that i have just for audience curiosity and like you could you could like we we could like pick a book that we want to like read next
0: oh I yeah give it like an an excerpt uh, a short report on the the good stuff in it
1: i mean or or one that we want to read on the show you know just if we have nothing else you know just for Kind of like how we were doing with Lost Data. Okay. For instance, like, if we... I kind of want to... I kind of want to get into race next, but I feel like we should... I feel like we need to do what we did with Lost Data. Like, we need to read a book that gives it some... You know, gives it some scholarly credibility, you know? Yeah. We're not just... People don't just write it off as, oh, these kids just have aberrant ideas and... You know they're just radical and you know what I mean,
0: yeah, uh...
1: and I have a lot I have a lot of like I was uh, my parents had to install like new windows and new doors and stuff over the weekend, so i had to I had to move some of my books, I was just like I was just looking at the titles of them, and I was like, man, I really have some like books that would just really upset people. <laughs> Make <laughs> sure keep them hidden. And I was just like, wow, and I um, there's a lot I haven't read too. So and there's a lot I have on the racial issue. A lot, of ones that I haven't read too. So
0: yeah, well, uh, could, uh, if you want to make that part of the, uh, we were talking about doing some talks on Torah socioeconomics That mm-hmm. that subject is part of it. So if you want to. Do race next, or slavery, or anything like that? Yeah, I'm up for it.
1: hmm I feel like race... Race is kind of a broader... It's kind of a broader issue, though, because that... You know, that extends all the way back to the beginning.
2: You know okay. what I mean? So... So, uh...
0: Winchell's book... And, uh, maybe Drake Shelton and some other ones. Some stuff Mm -hmm. on the, uh, current white genocide issue.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sweet.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'll do that, I think, maybe for the next call. I'll do that, and you can, uh, you know, tell me which ones sound interesting to you, or... Whatever. Yeah. All right. Just, uh... I think that's all I got for now, unless you got something else.
0: Yeah, and uh, let's uh, email me some of this before we do it because I want to have. <laughs> I'd like to be more useful than just being the uh, the dude who agrees with everything in the background. If I can <laughs> read anything, I'd be happy to.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. No problem. I feel like though right. for. Offer... The, the Torah socioeconomics like I'm really passionate about that like more than the the sex and the dietary laws and the the calendar. so I really want to like prepare that's why I wasn't super ready to just jump into it so I feel like okay. I might have to like reread some of Drake's books on that to prepare
0: yeah well me too I'm not quite so might, up, to, up to date on it yet
1: so it might like be a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> understatement a little bit, you know, before we do that. If that's, you're all right with that. Yeah,
0: that's fine.
1: You know, because I mean, I really, I, I want it to be good. You know, I want it to be professional. And more,
0: more, <laughs> yeah, well, you me know. too. That's why I was so embarrassed. <laughs> fell on my face, with the calendar thing, yeah, I didn't mean to do it. Well,
1: I mean <laughs> that's, that's, I that's mean. not a it's not a huge deal with the calendar thing because we we can't establish any of those particulars anyway. So it's it's not you know there's so there's just so much lost knowledge there and so much ambiguity that it's not a huge it's not a huge problem with that you know because we can't establish anything with certainty there anyway. Very little, but the Torah socioeconomics are a little you know, a lot more clear in Mm -hmm. terms of how they're elucidated in the Bible. So, all right. So I think, uh, yeah, that'll be our next call then is me just giving you guys a tour of my library, audio tour.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. All
0: right, cool.
1: All right, well, thanks for joining me again, Ross.
0: Uh-huh, thanks for having me, Chris.
1: Talk yes, to you next time. Yep. Probably, probably be soon.
2: All righty.